Hello, and welcome to What a Picture, a movie podcast where we go through the sight and sound greatest films of all time, critics poll, week by week, and discuss what makes a great film great. I am Hannah, that is Brian, and Brian, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about Persona by Ingmar Bergman, so, yeah. Yeah, just go into a summary, I don't even know how to talk about this movie. Yeah. Okay, the film opens with a series of disturbing images before introducing us to Elizabeth, who has been hospitalized because she refuses to speak or move. The doctors have determined that there isn't anything wrong with her mentally or physically. A nurse, Alma, is assigned to care for Elizabeth. Alma and Elizabeth go to a cottage by the sea for Elizabeth's recovery, where Elizabeth begins to open up, though she still refuses to talk. Alma opens up to Elizabeth, however, including telling her of an orgy on the beach that she had and a subsequent abortion. Alma reads one of Elizabeth's letter to the doctor where she speaks of studying Alma and mentions the orgy and abortion, which Alma had told her in confidence. Alma then arrives back at the cottage, furious at Elizabeth, and in the subsequent fight, Alma threatens to throw boiling water at Elizabeth, who screams out, no, don't, speaking for the first time. Alma then relents and asks for Elizabeth's forgiveness. Elizabeth's husband comes and sleeps with Alma, thinking her to be Elizabeth. Alma describes to Elizabeth the story of Elizabeth wanting to be a mother, but then regretting it as soon as she got pregnant and rejecting her son's love. Alma then leaves leaves the cottage. And if I have to say Elizabeth one more time and remember not to pronounce the TH, I think I'm going to scream. That was a lot. That was a lot, but very well done, my love. Well, um, thank you. Yeah, what, a, what in the Ikea just happened to me? So I wrote that line down right when we started the movie. <laughs> what in the Ikea just happened? Yeah, wasn't to me? that funny? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah Sweden. It's really funny. I'm so funny. Sweden, you're yeah. very, you're very funny. So yeah, so you, it, it's uh, it's quite a movie to uh, experience. Yeah, I don't feel like this is the best entry point into Ingmar Bergman. Uh, but it was my first Bergman as well. I've since seen uh, many others. Uh, that are a bit more maybe normal. No, <laughs> uh, they all. It's so hard to be more normal than this. Deep themes and. Yeah, I am. Um, I'd heard of Bergman. I've never seen Bergman. As a whole, like considering every single part of it, not a big fan. Yeah. I think maybe upon further reflection, maybe looking into more. I'm, I'm interested actually to hear your opinions on some of the things. I felt like there were there were too many things that were left up to like my own interpretation where I just wanted a few more answers. Mm. Um, the opening scene of disturbing images, you know, could have done without that. Um, I think it was very well done. I think like the way it was shot was beautiful. I thought the dialogue was beautiful. I loved that it was around two female characters. There's so much um, about this film that I think is beautiful and I, I understand why it's on the list. It's just like not my jam of a movie. Yeah. But I acknowledge that it's a, it's a, it's a very, very well done film and is deserving of the acclaim it's received. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I like that. So I, uh, I loved this movie uh, the first time I saw it and revisiting it after uh, seeing a lot of Bergman's 
other films, I do think it's probably among his best, if not uh, his best. So, yeah, I quite like this movie. And I... um, It's hard for me sometimes, like with this movie and then another one of Bourbon's movies, Wild Strawberries, it's hard for me to, like, put into words what I love about it or what I connect with. Um, one of these actresses was in Wild Strawberries. Yeah. I was yeah, reading she the, felt... The actress uh, who played Alma. But I believe that she said something along the lines of she liked her acting better in this movie. She mm. felt it was less uh, overdone. Mm. Cheesy. Corny, I think was the word. Um, oh, goodness. So, B.B. Uh, Anderson. B.B. Anderson. Yeah, she's very charming in Wild Strawberries. Yeah. I think that performance works as well. But this uh, this performance is excellent. Uh, and then uh, Liv Ullman's performance is also excellent. I think this is Liv Ullman's first Bergman movie, and she'll be in several in the years to come here. But, okay. Liv yeah. Ullman plays Elizabeth, <clears throat> if that wasn't obvious. Yes. There are like three other very minor characters, but really most of the very story... Minor centers around these two women in you know going through their days in at this cottage so how the film sort of breaks down and reconstructs itself at various points i think that works uh works pretty well for me so it starts out with just a series of disturbing images and i think that's just to like <laughs> it's meant to unsettle you before you start so, the movie. You so you know what I thought when yeah. I saw this? Yes. There is an episode in like mid-late seasons of The Office mm-hmm. when um, the character of Erin is trying to like make her Halloween party more uh, more adult, more spooky. And mm-hmm. she's dating weirdo HR Gabe who, um, I guess corporate office Gabe, who mm-hmm. is really into what he calls cinema of the unsettling. It's a growing <laughs> film movement. He has created this film with shots around the office. It kind of looks like the uh, the video from The Ring. Um, <laughs> but that was the first thing I thought was like, oh, this is cinema of the unsettling. And I'm sure when that came out, film buffs, you know, knew exactly like, oh, persona. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it was very much like, I mean, that's when I wrote down the what in the Ikea just happened to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it it truly, because I had no idea what this movie was about. I've been trying to do that with these movies is mm-hmm. look about, up a, as little about it as possible because I want to come in fresh. Yeah. And um, it it did its job. I mean, that was what it was mm-hmm. supposed to do. Yeah. It was supposed to unsettle you and make put you in a position of like, I have no idea what I'm about to expect, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I can expect to be uncomfortable. It yeah. accomplished that goal. So good job. Mm-hmm. Ingmar. Yeah. yeah. I think ultimately I respond more to films like this that don't lend themselves to explanation, even upon, or that there could be like a lot of different interpretations that are a lot more cryptic, perhaps. Okay. And I think part of that is just that, you know, I. I think especially of the music that I listened to in like high school or college cryptic lyrics were always super cool and were accompanied by the best music. And so I'm sort of used to uh, that sort of art and not needing a 
meaning so much as uh, you're not supposed to understand it with your head. You're supposed to feel it with your gut sort of art. And this definitely does that uh, for me. Interesting. See, I come from this. I mean, I I like a straightforward story. I mean, I, I enjoy arty films. I do. But like we just watched The Fablemans um, mm-hmm. and prep for the Oscars. And I found it so refreshing that that was just a story about a family. And it's not that it was boring, but it's that there wasn't much to be interpreted. And I think that particularly if you are not a film buff and you're coming, like I would never show this movie to someone who has never seen anything on this list. Or it would, but it would be their first one. Right. I think that sometimes movies when there's not a clear message can lend to so much exclusionary dialogue around the movie it can make someone who doesn't understand it feel like maybe they're stupid for not getting it not knowing that you're allowed to not understand it yeah and that's the thing to me that I would want to express to someone coming at this or art like this from from a first time is you don't have to feel like you get it You just have to experience it. And your experience of the movie is as valid as someone who's watched a thousand or 3000 movies like this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just meant to be experienced. And if it doesn't, uh, if it doesn't work for you, then fine. Yeah. Yeah, That's it's, it's a, it's an interesting muscle to flex to be okay with not understanding something particularly when we're always looking for meaning I mean that's that's the human experience is to look for meaning and so Mm -hmm. to be content with not having an answer Mm -hmm. is a very difficult skill or or mind it to put yourself in that mindset it's a difficult skill so I I'm okay with it but I think also someone watching this movie in 1966 when it came out is very different than someone watching it now in 2023 when I'm expecting sixth sense like revelations to be made. I'm expecting big twists at the end. So for example, you know, a lot of this movie, it's, it's funny. There's a film critic named uh, Peter Cowie who, or who said um, everything one says about persona may be contradicted. The opposite may also be true. So (laughs) really, and and apparently Bergman had his own idea of what it meant, but did Mm -hmm. never shared it. He didn't pull like a, what Chantal Inkerman did with John Dillman and told us exactly what she, she meant. Yeah. Bergman made a point to just withhold his feeling because he made a movie that is open mm-hmm. to lots of yeah. interpretations. So I heard a, I saw a quote of like, I did my part by making the movie. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> I'm not going to explain it. I gave you the movie. Yeah. You all can discuss. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, a but, lot of the different themes you see are, mm-hmm. you know, could it be, um, uh, uh, you know, lesbian attraction? Could it be something of, you know, Alma says at one point to Elizabeth, um, you know, I've been told I look like you. I mean, I would never think I'm as beautiful as you, but some mm-hmm. people say I look like you. Like, is it is it this obsession with, with this person's fame and beauty? I really, there was a point, uh, particularly towards the end, when Alma is terrorizing Elizabeth, telling her the same story 
twice in a row from different camera angles mm-hmm. of, um, you know, you never wanted to be a mom. You never wanted a baby. Mm-hmm. And you, you first see it almost telling Elizabeth and you see Elizabeth's face as she receives it. Yeah. And then you see it the second time, Elizabeth, Alma telling Elizabeth, but you see Alma as she's delivering the, the speech. Mm-hmm. And then you see their faces side by side and they merge into one. Me in my 2021 sixth sensian fight club and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Thinking, oh, they're the same person. Mm-hmm. Oh, Elizabeth is just um, Elizabeth and Alma is a personality that she's created to escape from the confines of motherhood. Mm-hmm. That's what I saw. That's what I thought the whole thing was. I read many articles and they have said that. So now I'm like, it's my. I think that's a valid interpretation. Thank though. you. I'm very yeah. smart, but it's. I it's, think I have seen that. You before. have seen that. Yeah. Okay. I just, yeah. maybe I didn't look hard enough. You're seeing all these other interpretations, but there is no one clear, obvious answer. And I'm a hard science driven person. Yeah. And it really, it's a, again, it is, it is flexing a lot of muscles that are very weak in my brain. So. Interesting. Yes. Okay, well, <laughs> I'd like to talk about how this fits into Bergman's other films just a little bit. Okay. So um, this is maybe, I don't know exactly when his career began, but it was sort of the the mid-50s that he broke out with uh, Smiles of a Summer Night and then Wild Strawberries and The Seventh, Se- Seventh Seal. And those movies are, they're, they're still somewhat arty like this. They're not as experimental, uh, but they're more traditional, narrative-driven, uh, easier to find the meaning of those films. And so this was actually after a uh, hospital stay that Bergman wrote this and he credited Persona with sort of saving his life and in, in some way. But it was like um, nine weeks in the hospital. Yeah, so I mean, a long time. Yeah, uh, and The American healthcare system would never. Yeah, he said this was his first film that he felt like he wasn't really obsessed with the critical reaction or the box office or how people were going to respond to it. It was really a film that he made for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's, uh, that's really interesting and has uh, become beloved over time. I don't think it was uh, huge when it, when it first came out though, Bergman was well-respected, you know, by this point and went on to have, you know, uh, a long career that extended into uh, really the 90s. And then he somewhat retired and then came back with one movie uh, in the 2000s. But he's, you know, got classics in almost every decade from the 50s on. So yeah, he's, uh, he's a very prolific director. He has a very distinct voice. And this film if maybe one of the best is not one of the most representative of Bergman. It's one of the most different Bergman films, I'd say. So it's, it's interesting as, as an artifact and being the only one on the top 100, he does have, I believe four other films in the top 250. So he is well represented in the, uh, the bigger list, but I love Bergman. I really respond to his films 
And I'd love to show you some other ones after we're done uh, these hundred films. Yeah, in, so in a year fun. and a half from now. Year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be great. Okay, we're in for the long haul. We'll be watching movies together till uh, so yeah. we die. Okay, so let's get into a little bit of what this film means. So I don't think we can fully unpack this because I don't think it's meant to be fully unpacked. But I think there are some things that you can say of like, there are clear themes or things that are going on. And the thing that really unlocks that for me is the couple of times that Alma mentions... Uh, like you said at the end of that uh, that long monologue about Elizabeth's son, she says, no, I'm not you, I'm not you, and then their faces sort of merge. There's this uh, weird vampire scene where Elizabeth sucks Alma's blood. Uh, Alma cuts herself yeah. and then basically coerces Elizabeth into yeah. yeah. So it's 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 the situation is controlled by Alma. Yeah. So there's this sort of like vampiric Alma is being subsumed into Elizabeth. Elizabeth is feasting on Alma, sort of thing. That's that's happening there. And I did notice this time throughout the film, and maybe I was just looking for it, but Alma does look more and more like Elizabeth throughout the film. I don't know if it's what they do with her makeup or... She pushes her hair out of her face. Yeah. She starts dressing in black outfits. Yeah, it's a very subtle. So mm -hmm. um, I think that there are many times Elizabeth, um, excuse me, Alma, it's more of a, like a single white female situation. Like a, I want... You, I want you not from a I'm attracted to you, I'm in love with you, but it's a, I want to be you. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of Alma is so her obsession turns into this, I must have your life. I want to wear your mm -hmm. skin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I noticed that too. Well, there's even a scene towards the beginning where um, Elizabeth, we don't we don't know if it actually happened or if it was just a dream of Alma's, but mm -hmm. but she goes to bed very drunk. She wakes up to Elizabeth being in her room and they have, it's usually the, the title or the uh, mm -hmm. picture on the poster yeah. of Elizabeth standing behind Alma, kind of brushing her bangs away from her face to reveal her full forehead with this hair pushed back look. And then mm -hmm. Alma leans over into Elizabeth and has this just like sultry sexual look on her face. And, but then we don't know if that actually happened. Alma asks Elizabeth, were you in my room last night? And Elizabeth, excuse me, says no. Well, shakes her head. Shakes yeah, her head. She, she doesn't does say speak. no. She she mm -hmm. declines. or uh, mm -hmm. And so then you're left to think, okay, it was Alma confused or is Elizabeth lying? And we don't know the answer. And we don't know the answer. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's some interesting stuff going on there. And the characterization of these two women is that Elizabeth starts out the movie relatively sunny. She's engaged to be married. She, you know, talks uh, about, you know, loving her life and all of this stuff. And it does, you know, confess some some darker things and things that she's ashamed of towards the middle of the movie but elizabeth from the beginning is 
uh, distant. She is a little bit older, maybe characterized as more mature, maybe more uh, has more knowledge of the world and the, the darkness of the world, that sort of thing where her darkness and the truth of the world and how disturbing the world is begins to like suck Alma into her orbit, I think is what's going on what, throughout what? the film. Oh, because she's watching the like the news footage, and that's why. Okay, mm -hmm. I was wondering how you got there. There is a part where they're in the hospital still, and you see Elizabeth kind of cowering in the corner, watching news footage of, of a man being burned alive, which I'm assuming yeah. Vietnam. Vietnam. War. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so Elizabeth or Alma or Elizabeth has just lived more life. Yeah. World can be a dark place. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned one of these, but there are so many iconic shots of the two of them in this mm -hmm. film. Well, you've mentioned a couple of them, actually. I so I don't pay there's... attention to the outline. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, you you go where the spirit leads. As you know? I do. Follow my heart. Yeah. So I think we've mentioned... Several of them. So there's the one where Alma and Elizabeth's faces are sort of combined and merged as like half Alma's face, half Elizabeth's face is very creepy. And you have the one with them both sort of looking into the camera or looking into the mirror and Elizabeth brushing Alma's hair back and their faces are close together. There are a lot of shots of uh, I've seen it called the the Abba shot, which is one person's face looking at the camera and then the other person's face in profile. Mm -hmm. um, but it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you expect like Dancing Queen to come on? And yeah, exactly. Okay. All so, right. But All right. Abba got it from this. This was first. Well, there you go. Uh, but yeah, it, it, Persona it, walked uh, so Abba could run. Yeah. The, Abba, the yeah. shape of someone's face in profile is very uh, present in this movie of where you can see their nose sticking out and their lips and just that shape is very present. There's another uh, famous shot that I think is on some of the posters where both of their heads are sort of together and leaned down. Mm -hmm. uh, and that one is is quite iconic as well. So I think this movie contains about the most comprehensive list of way cool ways to shoot two people on film. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's very neat. Uh, yeah. Some of the the shot composition, so and I really I think, enjoy that. I think it's really neat too because some of the shots too are just like, especially in the beginning, are just women just snuggling together as sisters. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a lot of sweetness. I think he uses how he shoots the two women to definitely set the emotion of the scene. You know, when you have at the beginning when they're snuggling and it's very jovial and it's very much, I mean, I always even say I always wanted a sister. And then as you see as, um, I like your phrasing that Alma's being subsumed into Elizabeth, Elizabeth, mm -hmm. um, you see the, the contrast between the two women is now uh, shown within the, the how he shoots the two of them whether they're always shot kind of 
not just dead on in a snuggle, but you know, one is profile, one is straight ahead, or and then it you know crescendos or culminates in the um the shot of the two of them kind of as one person, which you know what it made me think of. What is the last shot in Psycho? Oh yeah, it does sort of look yeah. like that. Oh, I saw someone call. explain it to like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing of you know which which personality is gonna come out, which again mm-hmm. makes me think that that I think I'm I think I'm 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 bought into that Alma is an extension of Elizabeth's disassociation from her own life. Yeah. yeah. I'm okay I with that. that. I'm gonna lean into that. All okay. right. If you gotta have an answer, then I need an go answer, and that's my answer. I All think. Right. Well, if you just think about it, like if you believe what Alma says about Elizabeth, in that she, you know, her life was full, but then she was told she need, she did couldn't mm-hmm. be a mother, so mm-hmm. then she was like, "Well, I'm going to be a mother," and then she hated being a mother. And mm-hmm. motherhood is forever. Yeah, it's forever. Being a parent is is forever i mean you might have not have a relationship with your child you might lose a child you might choose to abort a pregnancy you might do any of these things but that stays with you and so there's no escape from that and so for alma to excuse me for elizabeth to want to escape that and create this personality of alma who is young and carefree and Mm -hmm. engaged to a kind man and had a successful abortion and (laughs) had all these things and now has a career, but it's not like a big showy career in the spotlight, like an actress, like mm-hmm. Elizabeth is. Anyway, yeah. yep, I'm committed. I'm committing to this. Yeah, That's and my- then another uh, point that would lend credence to that is that when the husband comes, yeah. if that's not a dream, he does recognize Elizabeth as Alma, and so Alma is Elizabeth. If, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. And so if they are the same person, then that would make sense why he would recognize her. Yeah. So. And Alma like speaks to him, even though she's, if it's Elizabeth dissociating, Alma still speaks to her husband after they make love as his wife yeah. with this familiarity and this, in this gentleness. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about <laughs> some of the experimental stuff that's in this film. So we've got the beginning five minutes, which I was remembering after first viewing this film as like a 20-minute experimental opening. I would it was have been not quite so that long. mad if you would have made me watch 20 minutes of that. Yeah, and you it was not quite known. that long. Ooh, man. So it... Uh, it's it's about five minutes of just different disturbing images. And then in the middle of the film, it's after, which we haven't talked about yet, but Alma basically sets out a piece of glass that Elizabeth then walks on. Then Elizabeth realizes it's Alma and they're sort of having a, a bit of a staring contest. And then the film just sort of begins to break down and... It's very like in the in the era of physical film, Bergman is like inserting this like the very nature of this movie is breaking down mm. sort of thing. And then we get more experimental imagery. And then 
at the end there's more like pastiche sort of stuff and there's even a shot of i don't know if you uh caught this because it's very brief but you do get a shot of uh bergman and his director of photography at the camera as they're filming the movie Mm. so it's like implicating the makers in their own art so it's referencing the film and then the beginning of the movie and the ending of the movie are like a projector starting up and 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 shutting down and so it's very self-aware as a film okay in an interesting way but in a way that isn't like cheesy to me so that stuff that stuff works for me i think it adds to the narrative piece of this and so the two you know they could exist without each other but each part is more powerful because the other exists i think Mm -hmm. okay all right yeah all right you ready to rank some disturbing images from this movie sure okay so i've picked out eight disturbing images and we're going to rank them from I can't believe you're making most, me relive this. Most disturbing to least disturbing. So several of these are in the beginning of the film. Famously in would you say the first 10 seconds of the film? It was very early in the uh sort of montage. There are three frames where you see an erect penis. Oh, I only caught one of them. So, oh no, it's it's just three frames right in a row. So it's okay. 30 frames per second. So it'd be a tenth of a second of an erect penis on the screen. Okay. So it's just enough to make you think, and you even turned to me and you're like, was that a penis? <laughs> so you can just barely see it. And I think the first time I watched this, I didn't even uh, conscience, consciously register what it was. But that's one of our disturbing images. There's a spider as well uh, in that opening montage. We've got a nail being driven into a hand. We've got a lamb bleeding out oh, who's yeah, been I like the, the throat has Like a been sacrificial cut. situation yeah. or just a bleeding it for consumption. Anyway, yeah, else? we've got the self-immolation, which is the man on fire, uh, the Vietnam War film that uh, Elizabeth is watching. Uh, we've got Elizabeth brushing Alma's hair back and them both staring into the camera, which is somewhat creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the Warsaw Ghetto photo, which uh, Elizabeth w- looks at later on in the film, sort of at night. And it's this uh, this picture of essentially Jews being captured at, uh, at Warsaw. Um, and just zooms in on on various images in the photo itself. And then that shot very late in the film where Elizabeth and Alma's faces are combined. So we've got eight disturbing images here. Uh, what do you think? Which which of these are uh, I'd say the, the creepiest disturbing? is probably nail driven into hand. Oh, interesting. I can't do it. It reminds me of a scene from the ring when a nail goes through a finger. I can't it's the yeah. it's the it's the it's the the puncturing. Ooh. All right. Yeah, that's number one for me by a long shot. Okay. So we've got that at one. I'm gonna the self-immolation to me, that was the one that the second time through affected me the most of just like, oh yeah. I can't with yeah. this. I get that. So okay. maybe we put that at two. Um, three is Elizabeth and Alma's faces combined. 
I yeah, think that was... because the timing of it, like you knew it was going to happen, mm-hmm. but it kind of happened slowly, but in a way where you just wanted it to be over with because you mm-hmm. knew it was coming. That one really And almost me. like pleading, like, no, I'm not you. I'm yeah. not you. And oh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that one got me as well. The, uh, I think the erect penis has to be up there because of what it does to you. And I think this is very intentional of like, when you see an erect penis and you're not expecting to, there's this almost like jump back reaction or like, oh, is startling. Right. And so he's just trying like at the very beginning of the movie, he's just like, startling you like that and it just sort of sets the tone for what he's trying to do yeah speaking as someone who's been flashed it's unsettling yeah okay so we've got (laughs) we've got the lamb bleeding out as well and i feel like that's probably going to need to go higher but we'll put it at five for now yeah i think because it it took me a while to realize what it was and that was another one i was like is that a cow dying Spider, Warsaw Ghetto photo, and Elizabeth brushing Alma's hair back. I don't remember the spider, and I don't remember the Warsaw Ghetto photo, really. Okay. So I'm going to go with Elizabeth brushing Alma's hair back. The With just the look of (laughs) almost like sexual triumph on Alma's face. Yeah. Again, this photo, like if you look up Persona, it's going to be the first shot you see. Like it's it's kind of the captured image of it's beautiful yeah. so good. iconic yeah uh we'll put warsaw ghetto photo at seven and spider at eight then it's just the spider generic creepy come on bergman that's where i'm at like i you yeah. know how i feel about spiders but so that is our disturbing images ranking i wanted to talk a little bit about the performances here because i think they are incredible both actresses have incredibly difficult roles because Liv Ullman has to, has to create a character with basically no dialogue. Yeah. It's so impressive how she does that. It's yeah. amazing. It's and then B.B. Anderson, who plays Alma, has to carry the entire film through dialogue. <laughs> she has no one to talk to. I mean, she's talking to... Elizabeth, but she has no conversation partner throughout this whole film. Except She's for, talking all by for, herself. Except for Elizabeth's husband. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, so impressive on both of their parts that really they're beautiful. able to create these very developed characters. I think it's amazing. I love it. It's wonderful. Uh, and with the performances, you have these two incredible monologues, both of which B.B. Uh, Anderson gets, but one is about Elizabeth and one is about Alma. Mm-hmm. The orgy monologue we haven't talked about much yet, yeah. but it's just very, a very good performance. It's very vividly painted. What's funny is apparently... Uh, I have never had a beach orgy, but... I, I have not either. I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. Okay with uh, it. No beach orgies for well, us. I think we're not beach orgy people, really. Yeah. What I think is interesting about this is apparently B.B. Anderson kind of rewrote the orgy monologue mm. because she felt it was very obvious it was written by a man. <laughs> she, like, changed some of the way it was phrased and some of the wording. 
you talked a little bit about this motherhood monologue, which happens at the end of the film. Mm -hmm. Once uh, both both spoken by Alma, but once we are uh, put, camera is pointed at Elizabeth, great performance. Uh, yeah. Then the second one, camera is pointed at Alma, also great performance. I think what happened here, so I I read that it wasn't planned that this story would be told twice, and it mm -hmm. is the same performance both times. So we're just shown the same thing from two different angles. I don't think we're meant to believe that it happens twice. We're just supposed to see the same thing twice from yeah, two different that's perspectives. How I took it as well. And my I think that Berkman probably did this just because the performances were so good that he couldn't <laughs> cut couldn't back not. and forth. Yeah. And so I'm really glad, even if it is a bit jarring to go back in time and listen to the thing again, the performances are so good that it's really engaging. And I'm really glad that we get both we get performances to watch it again. Yeah. in full. Um, so yeah, really, uh, really interesting stuff here. The monologue is heartbreaking uh her not wanting her son trying to have an abortion and failing basically uh banishing her son to leave with relatives the son just craving her love and her not giving it it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking for all parties i mean not everybody mm -hmm. has to be a parent yeah um but once you are a parent you gotta get your shit together yeah in some like he her her son is like shouldn't be punished for his own existence yeah. he didn't ask to be born she mm -hmm. she made the decisions to bring him into this world and i'm just gonna start crying because no child should feel unloved and you us. get those uh incredible images uh in some of the more experimental sequences of mm -hmm. her son basically sitting in a bed and reaching up at like this either very large screen or image of her face yeah but it's blurry like, yeah. so you can't tell if it's elizabeth or alma <laughs> yeah so and it's very uh he's just like reaching for something that he can't have it's heartbreaking yeah, yeah. so the last <laughs> 20 minutes of this film yes uh is this a dream is this a vignette is this just dream logic? There's no like connecting narrative tissue. You've got uh, Elizabeth's husband. That yeah, give me, give me your starting point. You've of got this last the uh, monologue. It's really everything after um, Elizabeth, uh, the throwing boiling water thing, and Elizabeth screaming, No, don't. Oh, so it fully uh, fractures. Yeah, yeah, when it sort of fully fractures. And we just get a bunch of like different scenes that stops being like a, a narrative film in a way. Yeah, it's like Elizabeth chases, or excuse me, Alma chases Elizabeth down the beach, apologizing mm -hmm. and apologizing. Mm -hmm. um, well, if I'm going to double down on my analysis that Alma is a dissociative identity of Elizabeth, which mm -hmm. I, I'm pretty sure I already doubled down. So if I'm going to yeah. triple down on yeah. it. I think that, I mean, again, I'm going to call it a fracture. Like this, this attack between these two personalities to the point where Alma is so strongly against Elizabeth that Elizabeth feels driven away. But mm -hmm. Alma can't exist without Elizabeth. Alma can't exist if Elizabeth leaves. 
So then it becomes this like desperation of survival to you. You can't leave me because then I won't exist. Mm. So then there's the blood drinking scene, which I don't really get. Creepy. Creepy. Yeah, I'm not about that. But then I want to ask you about the ending. So yeah. you talked about it in one sentence in the summary. You just see Alma leave. Do we see Elizabeth leave? Do we Don't know what happens so. to her? No. So my assumption of that is that Alma won the, if again, if I'm now quadrupling down on the uh, Alma is an extension of Elizabeth's personality is that the Elizabeth no longer exists and now it's just Alma. And now she's going to go forth and fully live this new life D denying her mother herself as a mother and her position as a as elizabeth i don't know maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm oversimplifying it but it is weird that we never see yeah any sort of resolution for elizabeth yeah that is interesting and uh, i might be buying into your theory a little bit here i tend to just might state be. my opinions over and over until people give in so yeah i can do that so but yeah, i want you to defend it yeah i want you to defend it a little bit more because i don't think you know anything beyond quintuple i did a quintuple yeah um what's a, what's next after quintuple it would be sextuple and then septuple and then octuple if those are all right, I'm going to be very non-tuple, dec-tuple, and then I don't know what eleven is. Well, I know that a, a what's dec tetra tetra-tuple. I don't know, but dodecagram is a twelve-sided uh, dodecatuple. Dodecatuple. <laughs> okay, so the last thing. So I read some analysis of Bergman. So he's been a little bit dodgy, as Hannah mentioned, about the meaning of this film. But I did see somewhere where he said, like, some parts I could, I saw various meanings in. And there was at least one part that I had no idea what it meant, <laughs> which I think is, is fun. So if Bergman himself says he doesn't know what the film means, then I think you can read uh, your own meaning into it if you want, or you can just enjoy the ambiguity, which is not something that Hannah is built to do. I am not. I like, I like meaning. I like. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. I'm correct on octuple, sextuple, ectuple. Oh, nine times is non-tuple. Wow. Dectuple. Dectuple. Yep. All right. So really, I'm a genius. So when you need to deck tuple down on something, now you have the words for it. <laughs> also, if you need to deck tuple down on something, maybe you are arguing with the wrong person. Oh. Um, anyway. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, again. Or maybe you're just approaching it with the wrong argument. Yeah, maybe you're just a really bad argumenter. Yeah. yeah. Argumenter. Mm -hmm. Debater. Yes. Anyway, so... Again, I actually, I'm, now that I've discussed it more and verbally processed my feelings about it, I think I do like it more. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. The acting is beautiful. The way it's shot is beautiful. And I do fully understand why it's on this list and agree that it should be. Mm -hmm. um, but doesn't mean it has to be my cup of tea. But it doesn't mean I'm ever really going to watch it again. Mm -hmm. But... 
I also would recommend it to someone who wants to like delve into this type of film. And I recommend it yeah. to all of you, yeah. dear listeners. Yeah. If you haven't already watched it, sorry, we gave it all away. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's fine. So I think I might have, I've, shared this now i don't think i've shared this on the podcast but my uh my theory is that if a movie can be spoiled and ruined then that movie is probably not worth watching in the first place i think you said that before but it stands to be said again yeah yeah Yeah. i love it (laughs) all right so this was persona 1966 ingmar bergman brian Mm -hmm. before we talk about what we're watching next week tell me a little bit about my 2001 best fact all right so there's this incredible uh, steady cam shot in this movie. It's the second time you see the monolith. So there are a bunch of astronauts going to, I think, the moon where a monolith has been discovered. And you're just like walking among the astronauts slowly while this ominous music is playing. Then they all see the monolith. And then this high-pitched noise begins emanating from the monolith. And everyone is like ducking for cover. It's incredible. Incredible moment. I love a steady cam. And then we cut directly to uh, uh, the second act of the movie from there. Okay. Yeah. Sounds great. great. What a great way to end act one. Looking forward to act two. Anyway, so um, next week we're going to be watching Casablanca. You know, a little here's looking at you, kid. A little mm-hmm. will always have Paris. A little mm-hmm. of all the gin joints in all the world. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. A little of a, a beginning to think this is the start of a beautiful friendship or whatever. So um, Casablanca, it's great. Surely you've heard of it. Starring Humphrey Bogart, the dreamy Humphrey Bogart. And Ingrid Bergman. No relation to Ingmar Bergman, unfortunately. Mm. Um, this is available on HBO Max. And it's. It's a delightful classic. Uh, if you have a like hometown movie theater, chances mm-hmm. are they will play this on the big screen once a year. Mm-hmm. The, between this and It's a Wonderful Life, that's always the big movie that gets yeah. displayed, which is so charming. Rightfully so. so. Uh, Love both we, those movies. Yeah, so good. It's a Wonderful Life is rightfully not on this list, but it doesn't mean it's not great. I think it might be on the 250. That's fair. Yeah. It's a good it's a good one. It's a good one. A good uh, one. Yeah, so couldn't be more different than Persona, but here we go. <laughs> it's uh, a black and white. There's a Bergman associated oh, with it. Oh, true. That's all I Okay, got. yeah, there's a couple couple surface level uh, similarities there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch this. <laughs> it's a great film. Okay, y'all, this has been What a Picture. We are so thankful for you, dear listeners, and we will see you next week. All right. Goodbye.